Thank you. We are continuing our look at the book of Acts and how the Holy Spirit is is working and surprising um, those around the apostles, even the apostles themselves. And so this morning, um, Acts, our, our scripture is Acts 9, verses 36 through 43. Acts 9, 36 through 43. As you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of God's word? In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydia was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydia, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. I don't know how many of you are aware of this or not, but most of what we do in life, from, from the clothes we wear to the things we say to the things we do, are some form of imitation, some, something that we've learned to imitate. There, there are imitations of, of something we saw or something we heard. Our lives, a lot of it, are imitations of someone or something. Think about it, especially on this Mother's Day. How many of us parents? We're in the middle of, of, of fussing at our kids. I mean, I mean, nobody does that, but I mean, you know, fussing at our kids, disciplining them, uh, possibly raising our voices slightly above normal, um, and we're, 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 we're saying all this stuff, and suddenly it hits us. I sound just like my mom. Or that's something my dad used to say. And, and then we get on to ourselves and, you know, say, I swore when I was younger, I was never going to act like my mom. I was never going to say that to my kids. I was never going to be like my dad. Never. But yet, there we are, whether consciously or not, we're imitating our parents. We're imitating something we saw, something we heard, something that was done. We imitate also what others wear. Most of us wear, especially for our students in school, we're wearing what we wear, we're wearing it because we saw someone else wearing it. 
We saw it online, some, some celebrity or, or something. We saw somebody cool wearing it, so we're wearing it. We, we saw it in a magazine. We saw another classmate wearing it, and we thought, man, I, I want to wear that. And let's just set the record straight on something very, very important right this moment. When I was in school, we didn't buy our pants with holes already in them. Okay? You know what we did? We cut those holes ourselves. Okay? We paid for a good pair of jeans and we cut holes in them ourselves. And so, yes, for those of you who are shocked and surprised, your holy pants are not something new. Okay? You are imitating us late uh, 80s and early 90s kids, and we were probably imitating those late 60s, early 70s kids. Okay? So everything is a form of imitation. We are all and have all imitated someone or something at some point in life. There's a saying that goes, imitation is the serious form of flattery. If that's the case, then I'm going to suggest that there's really only one person that we need to imitate, and that would be Jesus. Good old Sunday school answer, Jesus. What better way to give praise and glory to God than imitating the person of Jesus? Our story today from Acts tells about a time when someone else's life was profoundly changed, and that's an understatement, by someone else imitating Christ. Tabitha, also called Dorcas, is introduced to us in the story with two surprises right off the bat. Remember, we're in this series called Surprise, the Unexpected Acts of God. And the first surprise about Tabitha is that she's dead. She's dead before we ever get a chance to really know her. And the second surprise is that she's called a disciple. That's an unusual title for uh, a woman to be known by in those days. But why not? She is a follower of Jesus. She had a good reputation, was known for always giving to the poor and doing good. She has been an imitator of Jesus in life, and now she has died. We also notice in the story that she's surrounded by widows who are mourning her, her death. They're grieving these widows may have been the recipients of Tabitha's goodness. They stand there showing off the garments that Tabitha had made for them. These were tangible, tangible remnants of a life filled with caring for others and imitating Christ. When the believers in Joppa hear that Peter, who is close by, they send for him. Because word has gotten around that Peter can do some amazing things with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's just earlier in this passage has healed a lame man, told him to get up and walk, just like Jesus. So they call for Peter. They, they believe Peter, who, who spent uh, so much time so close to Jesus, he would know what to do. But do they expect Peter to come and, and raise this woman from the dead? Does Peter expect to raise this woman from the dead. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in situations and, and we don't have a clue what to expect. We don't really know what to do. But that's when we turn to God for help. We trust in God to determine the rest. Sometimes that's all we can or should do. 
When Peter walks into this room, this situation, he does the only thing he knows what to do. He imitates Jesus. This whole story is an uncanny replication of a story Peter once witnessed while looking over the shoulders of Jesus where a young girl died and was raised back to life. Listen to this story from Mark 5. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? If you remember, Jairus had, had come to Jesus, said, come, my daughter's sick, I need you to come and heal her. And that was when the, 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 the woman who had bleeding touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he stopped him. And in the meantime, someone had come and to informed him that his daughter was dead. So, so why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Of course they were. A dead girl had come back to life. Talk about imitating Jesus. Peter, in our story, does this almost to a T, even to the point of asking the people to get out of the room. It's kind of remarkable. You see, what we read in our passage from Acts is a cleaned up version of the story. If you remember, Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. He had been, been commissioned by a man named Theophilus to write about Jesus and the early disciples, to sort of give an account of this man of Jesus and all that had happened. And so the Gospel of Luke was the first book the book of Acts is the second book. And so everything that Luke writes is secondhand knowledge or even maybe thirdhand. So when we read about Peter going into this room, this house in Joppa, where a woman has died, we're not getting Peter's point of view. We're getting the technical recollection of someone who was there or someone who heard about it. So I say all that to say, I don't know if Peter knew what was going to happen when he walked in that room. I'm not sure he knew he was going there to raise her from the dead. I'm not even sure Peter had a plan. I'm not sure he got a plan when he got there. I'm not sure he had a plan when he walked in the room. For all we know, Peter could have sat there in that room for a few minutes, wondering, and the Scripture does say he sat there and he prayed. So he sat there, and he wondered, and he prayed, what in the world am I supposed to do? After all, I mean, it was just he and a dead woman sitting in a room together. I can't imagine what must have been going through his mind. But I do think, whether he thought about it before entering or while he was there, he must have recalled that moment with James and John and Jesus 
watching Jesus with Jairus' daughter raise her from the dead. And, and, you know, this is just how I imagine it. Peter remembers that encounter with Jesus. And then Peter thinks to himself, or maybe he even whispers out loud. Again, it's just him and Tabitha. She's gone. No one can hear him. Well, I guess I could try that. That might work. Let's see. And no matter how it happened, it worked. Tabitha came back to life. A dead person came back to life from the words of an ordinary fisherman. The impossible became possible. It was a miracle. And I really do wonder if Peter was as surprised as everyone else there in that house. Listen, there was a time when Jesus was still with the disciples or the disciples were still with Jesus that copying or imitating Jesus wasn't working. Listen to this account from Matthew 17. A man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. A little bit later on, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Obviously, Peter's faith has grown since that time. We looked at that a few weeks ago. Now, with the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter is a new man. He is speaking boldly. He is acting boldly. And he is doing a really good imitation of Jesus. Listen, you and I may not ever witness a resurrection. But it's clear that Jesus wants us to imitate him, to do what he did, to say what he said on a daily basis. Ephesians instructs us to be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Tabitha was a disciple, a follower of Jesus, because she imitated him in love and in service to each other. Peter spent so much time with Jesus that he couldn't help but imitate what he had seen Jesus do, even to the point of raising someone from the dead. Our lives, every single one of them, should be imitations of Jesus, not, not cheap ones, not where we're just trying to copy a look or copy a saying or trying to be cool or in style, but our lives should be imitations of Jesus where everything we do and say and think should give glory and honor and praise to God. And I would suggest that for many of us, including myself, that what, what is needed the most in order to imitate Jesus is more faith. Just like with the disciples who couldn't cast out demons, Jesus tells them that their problem is their little faith. 
And I don't want to sit here and question anyone's faith, but I would suspect that there are some who just cannot wrap around in their minds the idea of imitating Jesus. I can't be like Jesus. I mean, he's perfect. I am far from perfect. What do you mean I, I got to be an imitator of Jesus? I would suggest that you need to ask God for greater faith. If you placed your life in God's hand, put your whole trust in his son Jesus, then you are a follower of Jesus. And you have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God's Spirit resides in you. You have a power resting in you that is greater than yourself and that's greater than any power in this world. You can do anything. In the words of Jesus, nothing will be impossible for you. And God may not be asking you to raise somebody from the dead. That scares the bejeebies out of me. God may not be asking you to, to make the lame walk or the blind to see. He might. I'm not ruling that out. But he may be calling you to do something that you have deemed impossible. He may be calling you to change careers. God may be calling you to forgive someone and to restore a relationship. I mean, if we want to be imitators of Jesus, I mean, he was all about relationships. He was all about restoring relationships. Jesus restored our relationship with the Father. Maybe God's calling you to restore a relationship that you have deemed unreconcilable. That's impossible. I ain't talked to them in years. You got to be kidding me. God may be calling you to reach out and get involved with a ministry that literally gets your hands dirty. That after you're done, you, you may just want to take a shower. God may be calling you to get outside of your comfort zone. You may not think you have time for this or that, but God is calling you to remove some things from your schedule, from your calendar, things that are not that important in the grand scheme of things so that you can have time to really imitate Him. I mean, I could go on and on and on with this, but y'all don't want me to do that. I can go on and on and on with a list of things that, that you, that I, have deemed impossible but that God has said is possible. If we're truly going to imitate God, we need to ask God for greater faith. What's wrong with asking God for more faith? I can always use a little bit more faith. And then once we do that, we've got to trust that God will give it to us and then he will equip us for the task ahead of us. The more and more I think about it, I'm pretty sure Peter didn't have a plan going into Joppa, going into that house and going in that room with a dead woman. Or better yet, his plan was simply to imitate Jesus and to let God do the rest. I think that's exactly what God is asking for each of us to do. In the words of Jesus, 
Don't be afraid. Just believe. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the example of Christ. For most of us, it's a dawning task to be asked to imitate him. For some of us, it just seems like words on, a paper, on, on, on the paper. Hard to come alive. Others of us, we, we read it, we believe it. It just seems really hard. And it is. But remind us that we have your Spirit living in us. It's not all on ourselves and our strength. But you have placed in us a power source greater than anything we can possibly imagine. And that with it, we can do the things that Jesus did, that we can say the things that Jesus said, that we can live the way Jesus lived. Father, we do pray for greater faith, that we would not fear, but we would simply believe. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.